the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Molly Rams, a round of shit you per se. And then, this new year, Jared's resolution is to get ripped like Lou Ferrigno. But that little Debbie's not making it easy. But first, your host, Jared Correa. That's right. It's time for the one and only Legal Toolkit Podcast. You're in the right place. And you're correct. It's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I don't know the difference between a Phillips head and a flathead screwdriver. Just kidding. I do. I'm your host, Jared Korea. Jimmy Fallon was unavailable because he's painfully unfunny. So you get me instead. Hopefully that's an upgrade. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Molly Rands, the director of the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program at the State Bar of Michigan about New Year's resolutions and other such commitments, maybe less timely in nature, I wanted to take a moment to talk about my laptop. I'm on Reddit a bunch. There's this online acronym called TIFU, T-I-F-U. It stands for Today I Fucked Up. Well, Today, you're getting a released episode of Legal Toolkit a little bit later than you normally do. And I got to admit, the reason for that is me. This weekend, I fucked up. That's a long acronym. I'm not going to try to do it. Let me tell you a little bit about my weekend. So here with my kids by myself, my wife is in Florida enjoying herself. It's five degrees in New England. So I'm cleaning up the house a little bit. Sometimes I'll like bring my laptop here and there with me when I clean up the house. I'll put it on a bed, put it on like a bureau, and I'll listen to Spotify or whatever. And so sometimes when I clean the bathroom, I'll put like my laptop on the sink. Yeah, I know. It's really stupid. I understand. But to quote Dr. Farthing in Dirty Work, hindsight is twenty twenty, my friends. So I put my laptop on the sink in my upstairs bathroom. And I forgot to turn off the water in the sink. So I'm cleaning the toilet or whatever and this podcast going. And all of a sudden, there's no more volume, no more noise coming out of the iPad or the, uh, or the laptop. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. And I look around and water is flowing over the top of the sink into the laptop. Problem. I turn off the water, I fetch the laptop, clean up the floor, and then I take the uh, laptop and I put it on its side, try to drain the water. It uh, is not looking good at this moment. My kids don't know anything's going on, of course, but I'm holding it down. I'm not too concerned. I'll tell you why in a second. So I let the laptop drain for a little bit, take the bottom off, wipe it, and then get it to reboot a couple times. You're not supposed to do that, but there were like three or four documents I was working on on my desktop that I wanted to pull off of it. So, happened to me, and I'm feeling okay. Not batting an eyelash. I mean, the week before, laptop was a little bit funky in terms of like the screen. I noticed the screen flashing a little bit red every now and then, so I thought to myself, I probably need a new computer. 
Didn't expect to buy one this way, but here we are. So you might be asking yourself like, boy, your computer's destroyed. Now you got to buy a new one. What happened to your work? Therein lies the rub. With a lot of law firms, like if you lose a specific device, your ass is grass. So instead of shitting my pants, I just bought a new laptop. But I didn't even have to do that right away. So two important things to talk about here. One is the cloud is good. So I have probably, looking around my house right now, three Chromebooks, two iPads that I can see in my line of vision. So since all my stuff is online, all browser-based apps, I just log in and continue to work as if nothing happened. My computer is a little smaller. It's a backup computer, but I've got all my stuff. There's no necessity for me to run out and go to the store and buy a new laptop, but it's just easier to work on a bigger device. So if you can't do that in your law firm, that's a problem. You know, if you're cleaning the bathroom and listening to some podcasts. So I just picked up right where I left off. Now, I've been talking about this for years, obviously, but the real value in cloud software is that it's device agnostic. So what that means is that like, as long as I have an internet connection on a secure device and every device I have in the house has antivirus, anti-malware software on it, you buy one account, can put it on a number of different devices. So I'm good to go. I just pick up. It doesn't matter what device I'm on. I can still access all the same stuff. And all my solutions look the same. And I can't believe that at this juncture, a lot of law firms have not adopted the cloud wholesale. I mean, I know it's a work in progress for a lot of firms out there, but now is the time, if you haven't done it already, to go full cloud. And to paraphrase Wesley Snipes, if you go full cloud, you never go back. That was terrible. Moving on. So the other thing, too, is backing up data, right? So I lose my laptop. No big, right? But at the moment in which I don't have my laptop, maybe the internet is unavailable. So I had a, I had a guy in my town crash into a telephone pole recently. And as it turns out, that telephone pole hit both my phone internet. I have a smartphone. I have a, I have a flip phone, rather, but it actually gets internet, believe it or not. You have to use that um, weird typing, though, where you have to do the number keys to get to the letters. Uh, so my kids hate it, and it takes them a million years to type anything in. That's why I have it. And then the other piece of it is I lose my internet also. So I got nothing. Nothing at all. But what do I have? I have a physical online backup that I can access. So you got a hard drive. You could use a thumb drive. Make sure it's encrypted. You're not online. Pull out that thumb drive. You're good to go. Now, the other thing is, let's say you can't get into some of these systems, right? So you're like, ah, cloud sounds good, but what if I actually can't get into a particular system? Well, you've got an online backup protocol too, right? So I talked to a lot of lawyers who are like, hey, I've got Google Drive or I've got OneDrive and that's where all my stuff is stored. But honestly, that's not a backup. <laughs> that's just a cloud drive. That's the replacement for your physical server. And your physical server has a backup too. So backup is a redundancy. It's another place where you can get your data. 
not the same place where you always get your data. And yeah, I know Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, they back all that shit up. I get it. But what if that goes down for a little bit? What are you going to do? You're out of luck unless you have a physical backup. But if you don't need to access a physical backup, maybe you have an online incremental backup that you use, like a Carbonite or a, or a Backblaze, something like that. So if you're in the cloud and you've got online and offline backups, you're in really good shape. You can pick up and run your business at any point in time, even if you don't have access to the internet. Pretty good deal, right? And it sometimes makes a difference between a law firm that goes out of business and a law firm that stays in business. Now, the one thing I will say is that the backup piece of this is important, right? So if I'm in a pinch and I need to get my data from a backup source and I'm panicking as water's flowing over my laptop, let's say, or I can't access the internet via my phone or my home modem, I don't want to be trying to figure out how to get my data at that point. I want to figure out how to get my data before that. So when you do data backup, make sure that you test it in a non-threatening, non-emergency situation to make sure that you can do it easily when that emergency situation does arrive. So my old laptop, I'm looking at it right now, got it on its side, draining any additional water that's in it. I'm gonna take this to somebody, have him fix it up, and give it to my son as a gaming PC. But looking at that busted up laptop 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do what I'm doing now. But with the prevalence of cloud-based software, with the prevalence of data backup, your business never stops. Your business shouldn't have to stop. And if you're not making these changes to your law firm, if you haven't already made them, now's the time. Just be careful when you're cleaning your bathroom. And yeah, I'm going to get a Bluetooth speaker. Now, before we get to our conversation about whether your New Year's resolutions are worth it or not, and whether you can even form new habits, we're going to talk to Molly Rands, Director of the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program at the State Bar of Michigan about that. Before we do that, let's bring in the one and only Joshua Lennon to provide some completely dry insights in the form of the Clio Legal Trends Report Minute. And if just one minute of the Clio Legal Trends Report is not enough for you, how could it be really? Go download the whole series. It's free. It's a fact. Solo law firms stand to benefit from technology adoption 35% more than larger law firms. This is based on data that shows how key technology solutions for lawyers helped solo practitioners earn $50,000 more than other firms on a per-lawyer basis. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer-in-residence at Clio. In today's world, technologies like online payments, client portals, and client intake software help lawyers deliver the types of online services that have become essential to legal practice. But while solo law firms tend to benefit the most, we've also seen that they've been slower to adopt these types of cloud technologies that today's clients look for. To learn more about the unique advantages that solo attorneys have over other law firms and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for solo law firms at clio.com forward slash solo. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. So let's put some smoke on this carp. It's time to interview our guest. 
My guest today is Molly Rands. She is the director of the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program at the State Bar of Michigan. Molly, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. This is going to be fun. I saw, I, I was uh, mentioning before we started recording that I saw you do a presentation for a bar association. I thought you were really great. And I said to myself, we got to get her on the podcast. So I'm terrible at identifying these roles, right? Like there's psychiatrists, therapists, psychologists. I don't know the difference between those things. Can you tell me what it is that you do and what your official title is? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a licensed professional counselor. I am a nationally board certified counselor and an internationally certified advanced alcohol and drug counselor. So I refer to myself as a therapist or a clinician. I do psychotherapy, but my job for the state bar is the director of the Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program, or LJAP, as you just mentioned. And through that role, I offer services to law students, bar applicants, lawyers, and judges that have mental health or substance use issues, or those who are looking to really just optimize their overall wellness. So we do a lot of work on the back end where we're actually you know, helping those folks with mental health or substance use disorders, but we also do a lot on the front end where we're promoting well-being in the legal profession. And that's what you saw me do um, a few weeks back when I was talking about compassion fatigue to the Indianapolis County Bar. Yeah, because you're not just doing stuff in Michigan. You talk to bar associations and lawyers across the country. Yeah, so recently I've had a couple of requests from other states, which has been really fun. And so I should mention, like, this type of program is not unique to Michigan, right? There's a bunch of different lab programs across the United States, and most of them are free and confidential for bar members, right? Yes. You, yes, you did your homework. That's wonderful. Yes. I have zero board certifications, but I can Google. <laughs> Yeah, most um, most every state in the U.S. has a LAP, Lawyers Assistance Program, and we're all different. You know, there's a saying that if you know one LAP, you know one LAP, because we all do really different things. But most of our programs are, well, all of our programs are confidential, and, you know, most of our services are free. And we all do similar things in that we're offering services to legal professionals with mental health and substance use issues. Some of the differences would, you know, be based upon, for example, Michigan, we offer a good service with the attorney discipline board, the the grievance commission, where we're one of the only states, if a lawyer has a mental health or substance use issue and the alleged misconduct is directly related to that, they can have the opportunity to participate in our program in lieu of sanction um, or in addition to sanction with regard to their license. So that's, that's that's yeah, it's a huge service to legal Kind of like a diversion type of thing. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Because we know, you know, we know discipline doesn't make sick attorneys well, but treatment does. I like it. And I imagine you do work with the law office management program out of the Michigan State Bar as well from time to time. Yeah. So Joanne Hathaway, who's with the Practice Management Resource Center, we collaborate on a lot of things in addition to our, our own podcast on balance, which is also produced by Legal Talk Network. No way. No, I knew that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we should mention that you're also a podcast host and the name of the podcast is On Balance, right? And it's both you and Joanne to do that? Yes. It's um, State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. And Joanne is coming in with the PMRC side. So she's talking about practice management and her guests usually have a, a tie into practice management. And I am coming in on the wellness side. And so my guests are usually wellness related. And we talk about the intersection between practice management and well-being. All right. Now we're doing cross promotion. Everybody listen to On Balance. Do it today. Binge those shows. So that was helpful. I appreciate all that. Let's get down to the real thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. 
It's that time of year. Everybody's setting New Year's resolutions, which will inevitably fail, right? So like, as somebody who is a therapist, I think you're maybe uniquely qualified to answer this question. Are New Year's resolutions bullshit? Like, why even do them? Because no one keeps them, right? So I could not agree more with you. And I am, I'm pretty anti-New Year's resolution. Um, I'm glad you brought this up. You know, I think a lot of times people make New Year's resolutions and they're so negative. You know, the biggest one I hear all the time is, you know, I want to lose X amount of pounds, right. you know, because I'm fat or because I'm overweight. And so the, it seems to me that the resolution is always based upon a way that we are not good enough, you know, as individuals. And very rarely do you hear people say, you know, I want to lose weight because I want to be healthier, because I want to be stronger, because I want to be able to play basketball with my son, you know, or those types of things. So you know, if people are making resolutions, you know, I encourage them to think about it in a much more positive way instead of making a resolution or creating a resolution because you're not good enough in some way. I like that. That's a great take on it. And I've never really heard anybody say that before. So it sounds like you could do a New Year's resolution if you put a positive spin on it, right? And it doesn't have to be New Year's, right? You could try to form a new habit, do a new thing at any point in time. Absolutely. Or just something you want to do more of of that year. So we're big travelers. Our family loves to travel, which has been, you know, certainly impacted over the last couple of years with COVID. Yeah, um, I've traveled to my kitchen and to my bedroom. Exactly. It's been delightful. Yes, exactly. So, but what we do instead of New Year's resolutions, we've started this this thing years ago where my husband and I and our two children, now they're ages eight and five, we all write down someplace in the world we want to go or an experience we want to have. And we put them in a hat and we draw them out on New Year's Day and we talk about what it would be like to have that experience and you know how we can make it happen. So that's our way of doing New Year's resolutions. It's really just kind of you know travel planning. I like that. Your kids sound like they're well-behaved too. I feel like I did that with my kids. They'd be like Jupiter and then I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. We're not going to Jupiter. <laughs> so let's talk more generally about this notion of like habit forming because I think people have a really hard time with that. And I mean, it comes up in so many contexts. I consult with law firms and like part of employing a system is changing your habits. So how can you at a personal level instill a habit? How do you do that effectively? You know, I think with, with habit forming, you know, we have negative habits and we have positive habits, right? And so, you know, I really think that the best way to instill something new is just creating that new routine. So, you know, for example, if somebody is trying to quit smoking, but every morning at 9am, they sit in the one chair in the one corner of their room to have a cigarette and have their cup of coffee and read the paper, removing the cigarette, but sitting in the same chair in the same location with the same cup of coffee is probably not going to be beneficial for them. So right. I always encourage people to start a new routine, you know, and I think once you carve out a new routine, start something new, it's so much easier to keep it going. Like it's so hard to get to the gym that one time, but once you go, it feels great and it feels awkward to not go. So it's really just what does your routine look like? And if you can create that routine and start that routine, you know, chances are you'll be much more likely to continue it. But doing something new is what's most helpful. I don't know if you know Sean Healy, who's works for the Massachusetts Lawyers Concern for Lawyers group, but I, I feel like he has this great analogy for this where he talks about like, if you want to start like running, just put on your shoes and then put on your like pants for running and then put your headphones on. Because if you don't do it, you're sitting on the couch and all your workout clothes and not doing anything, you feel like an idiot. So it sounds like part of it is like getting started, right? Absolutely. No, that's a great analogy. And I, you know, I think so many people get overwhelmed and don't start a new positive habit or routine 
because they're jumping from A to Z. You know, if your goal is, you know, to become the president of the United States, that's a pretty big goal to start from A and jump to Z. But if you start with really small steps, like maybe researching, you know, what that entails. So like Sean is saying, you know, just put on the shoes and you don't have to agree to go for a run. You're just agreeing to put on the shoes. And once you get on the shoes, you can agree to put on, you know, the next thing. So, you know, I think in general, people get really overwhelmed when they create these lofty goals or these lofty New Year's resolutions. And then it's so overwhelming that they feel like a failure immediately. So I say, you know, if you can just stick to something really, really small, you're just going from A to B. You're not going from A to Z. You know, you're just taking one step. Incremental New Year's resolutions, people. Listen up. Now, you brought up something else that I thought was really interesting, which I hadn't intended on talking about at all, but I think this is like the flip side is also interesting. So you talked about positive habits, starting to instill those. Like if you've got a negative habit, how do you go about trying to change that? I think in the same way you do, you know, you instill positive habits, right? So, you know, if you're trying to get rid of something negative, changing the routine so it's it doesn't have a place of existence anymore. And this is, you know, this is a range, right? Because some habits, you know, are related to addiction issues, for example, that are that, you know, this is a disease, right? So that might take more yeah. than just changing your yeah. routine, right? And then we're talking about treatment and 12 step or you Yeah, know. biting your nails versus like a drug yeah. addiction. The big difference. Yeah. Absolutely absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, like we were talking about cigarette smoking or, you know, I have someone I've been talking to who, you know, she wants to drink less coffee because it makes her anxious. And, you know, she drinks it throughout the day and it's not good for her. And so, you know, sitting in the same place, doing the same thing stopping at Starbucks, only getting something else, that's not helpful for her. She needs to do something completely different. So she's creating a new routine for her, you know, mind and body, and she can start to get rid of what that negative habit is. The smoking analogy you gave before was interesting. It sounds like it might help if like you always smoke in the same chair to just move the chair to another place. That seems like a really simple starting point. Absolutely. seems like that would be a good way to see if, if that is helpful. So here's another challenge, I think, for people, and this will be the last question I have in this segment for you, which is, it's hard enough to create habits on your own, right? But is it possible, is it even worth trying to try to create habits in other people? Like if you run a law firm and you're like super diligent and efficient and you're like, man, I wish my associate attorney was as efficient as me. Is that a worthwhile thing to do? Can you encourage people? Can you get them to change? Like, how do you do that as like a business owner? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. You know, I think that, you know, encouraging people is great. You know, I think about that in terms of, you know, being a parent, which I think becoming a parent, you know, helped me in so many other areas of my life. But, you know, how do you get your kiddos to do something? You you model that behavior, right? So, you know, your children don't learn from you never making mistakes, for example. You know, if you're a perfect parent, whatever that means, and you never make a mistake, you're not really teaching your children anything, right? But if you make a mistake and you say to them, hey, mommy screwed up, you know, this is what happened. I should have been more patient. They then learn how to make a mistake and correct it and change their behavior. So modeling is a really good way. When I'm in firms talking about well-being, you know, that comes from the top down. If you want your employees to take care of themselves, the first thing that you need to do is to take care of yourself. You know, they see that you take off Monday for the holiday and aren't in the office anyway. You know, they see that you're not sending emails on, you know, Saturday at 11. So, you know, modeling that behavior I think is really helpful. The other side of that is, you know, when we go into something and 
the purpose is to try to get someone to do something or to say something or to be something, right? So I think there's kind of two ways that we do that. If you are saying something to just truly express yourself, like, you know, if I wanted my husband to take out the trash and he forgot to do it. And so I said to him, hey, you know, I do a lot around here. You didn't take out the trash. That That's really upsetting. That is but one even thing that I'm... sounds nice the way you say it. All <laughs> yeah. right, go ahead. Well, I'm not sure I say it exactly like that, but we're just, <laughs> you know, we're on air, Jared. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that would be a way that I'm saying something to express myself, right? But if three days later he says, oh, hey, I'll, I'll grab those dishes. And I say, are you sure? You can't even take out the trash. You know, now I am... Now I'm saying something not to express that was much myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to make him feel a certain way or to be a certain way or to do a certain way or to think a certain way. So I always tell people, you know, if you're doing something or saying something because you want to express your feelings, your emotions, you know, if that person in the law firm wants to say, hey, I'm taking care of myself, I, I would love for everybody to do that too. They're expressing themselves. If you're going beyond that and now you're doing things, saying things to make someone do something, say something, you know, that's a red flag. I think that's great. So I think what you're saying is I should probably stop bribing my kids to do things. All right, duly noted. I think bribery is a very helpful parenting tactic. Oh, good. Okay, I like that. Molly, will you stick around for the next segment? Sure. All right, we're going to take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for my favorite segment, the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy to onboard, full suite of products that includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome back, everybody. It's the rear end of the legal toolkit, the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Molly, do you know what a youper is? 
I do. I live in Michigan. All right. Well, that's what I was hoping. What's your definition of a youper? You can give it to me. I think a youper is somebody who identifies as living in the UP, the Upper Peninsula. Right. So Michigan is like a mitten, which is the bottom part. And then there's like a little hook at the top. So it is, you are correct. It is a native or resident, could be both, of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Do you know how I found that definition? It is in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Did you know that? I didn't, but that's pretty good. Official as of 2014. It says the word youper comes from the common nickname of Michigan's Upper Peninsula, the UP. And the etymology requires the same follow-up question that a challenging joke does. Get it? We do. So I want to play a game with you. That's what we do during the rump roast. This game is going to be called Shit Youpers Say. Okay. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. I came up with this title before I found out that there was a Twitter account of the same name. This is actually a Twitter account as well. So if you want to look at things youpers say, you can find it there as well. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read some phrases, and your job is to tell me how likely it would be that an actual real-life youper would say this. Okay. And to, to rate it, are you familiar with the Gipper? My brother's a huge Notre Dame football fan, so he would be so disappointed in me if I didn't know that. George Gipp was an All-American at Notre Dame, and Ronald Reagan played him in the movie Newt Rockney All-American. What we'll do is, like, you tell me how likely it is that this is an actual saying that an actual youper would say by giving it one gipper head and all the way up to five, one being least likely, five being most likely. Okay, well, so my, we one of my close girlfriends is a youper, so I hope I get this correct. Oh, great, great. Hopefully she doesn't hate you after this. Okay. I hope not. So, and I don't have an upper Michigan Peninsula accent, so I'm gonna do my best. Okay. I'm, I, I had a Boston accent, now it's like more of a Midwestern radio voice. So here we go. So, these trolls came up from Lansing to spend the weekend on Grand Island. How likely would it be that a youper would say that on a scale of one to five gipper heads? These trolls? Gosh, I don't know. I haven't heard that before. I'm going to go with a one on that one. Okay, that may be the case. Again, I don't know because I'm not from the Upper Peninsula. But a troll is actually what people in the Upper Peninsula call the people from Michigan who are in the mitten because Mm. they're under the Mackinac Island Bridge. They live under the bridge. Okay. This, this might be great. We might learn several things today. Yeah, I am. All right, here's, here's another one. Don't blame Brendan. He's just a fudgy. He's on vacation from Connecticut. That is likely, I think. The term ah, fudgy, okay. yes, I, I'm going to give that a four. <laughs> Can you tell people what a fudgy is? No, but I've heard it used a lot. So. <laughs> so fudgies are tourists who spend time up north where they can buy fudge. Apparently yeah. there's a lot of fudge. And, there is. Uh, Mackinac Island is known for the fudge. So interestingly enough, I'm a big fan of ice cream cakes, Carvel ice cream cakes in particular, and fudgy that I know is fudgy the whale, who's a chocolate mm. whale ice cream cake. Yum. He's delicious. All right, I got another one for you. You'll want to paint that snow down a little bit more if that Ford is going to hold up. <laughs> I mean, I can see them talking about Ford, so I'll go with a three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. So the word pank, do you know what that means? <laughs> no. Okay, so to pank means to pat something down to make it more compact. Okay. So, all right, this is great. Like, your vocabulary <laughs> is just expanding massively. All right. It is. I got a couple more for you. Okay. Now make sure your chook doesn't cover your eyes when you're in the middle of that snowball fight, exclamation point. <laughs> give me a one to five on that one. I'm going to give that a two. I don't think I know what a chook is. 
a scarf? We we had somebody on from New Zealand, and a lot of this actually sounds like New Zealand slang, <laughs> but some of it's like French Canadian, some of it's Finnish. So a chook is actually a knit winter hat, oh, and it okay. comes from the French Canadian word toque, T O Q U E. I have I have one more for you. Last one. You've been a good sport. Okay. Here we go. Oh shit! I left my best choppers at Bailey's house. Hmm. I'll say a three choppers. Okay. Gosh. Okay. Do you know what choppers are? I don't. This sounds like a very UP thing. So they are deerskin mittens oh, with a wool God. insert. So it's like the deerskin mittens aren't warm enough. So you put some wool in there and okay. you can survive the cold winters up in the upper peninsula. Yeah, I would need those. So how did I do? I don't even have anything close to an upper peninsula accent, do I? Really no, but bad. those were good questions. I'm a huge MSU basketball fan. I love Tom Izzo, and he's a youper. So, you know, I need to know these things if I ever happen to get the opportunity to meet him in person. Well, maybe Tom Izzo will listen, and one of these days you'll be able to grab a coffee with Tom Izzo, famous youper. That's right. Thanks for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. All right, Molly, we'll talk again soon, and holy wah, that was great. If you want to find out more about Molly Rands and the Michigan State Bar's Lawyers and Judges Assistance Program, visit the Michigan Bar's homepage, www.mishbar.org, M-I-C-H bar.org, and you'll find the LAP page under four members. Find them on Twitter at M-I-State-Bar underscore L-J-A-P. Now, for those of you listening in the proposed 51st state of Superior, you know who you are. We've got a Spotify playlist this week that's going to knock your socks off. That's right. It's songs about starting over. Happy 2022, everybody. Starting off really well for me. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to address my physical fitness effort during this show, but I would like to know that I've been told that I put the hot in hot yoga. I've also been told that I put the goat in goat yoga, so I'm not really sure what any of that means. That'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast. This is Jared Career reminding you that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.